What's up, cool cats and cuties? This is the Promenade Merchants Podcast, a Star Trek podcast out on the frontier. So sit down and grab a rock to Gino as David Majors and Heather Kirby talk all things Star Trek. Old, new, and what's to come. The Promenade Merchants are open for business. Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the 40th episode of the Promenade Merchants Podcast, your favorite cool, scrappy, underdog, totally independent Star Trek podcast. I'm David Majors, and I am honored, pleasured, and privileged to be doing the 40th episode of this podcast with my fantastic co-host, Miss Heather Kirby. What's up, Heather? What is up, David? I can't believe we're at 40 episodes. It, it just amazes me every time. But the special thing about these nice round numbers is that we always get to bring on a guest to come talk some Star Trek with us. And like I promised, like, oh, I forget how long ago it was. But our guest today was the winner of our little contest that we had back in August where she won an awesome uh bag with the seat with the discoveries found family on it and so i was so excited to invite beverly falls to join us for this 40th episode thank you so much for coming beverly oh thanks heather thanks david i'm so glad to be with you it is an absolute pleasure. Uh, it was a joy to see that you, as the kids say, got the bag. And we're we're excited to have you on. And we're going to talk some Star Trek. And we're going to start with the old business. For new listeners of the show, the old business is where we talk about things in the Star Trek franchise that are everything from the cage up to and including the Kelvin movies. And Heather, very specifically, uh, you wanted to talk about an episode of Star Trek, the original series. So tell us a little bit about this episode. So, yeah, this happens to be as as much as I'm not uh, I'm more of the you and and me, David, are both more of the TNG generation. Uh, This happens to be one of my favorite TOS episodes. It is from season three, episode two, The Enterprise Incident. Uh, it was written by DC Fontana, who is just incredible. I love her so much. And she's a legend. Yeah. The Enterprise Incident for anyone who needs a refresher, though I know anyone listening to this podcast doesn't actually need a refresher about it. The Enterprise Incident is when uh, Kirk and Spock get to do a little subterfuge with the Romulans in order to get one of their brand new cloaking devices and they meet the Romulan commander of the fleet. Well, she's the commander of the ship, but she's got two other ships there with her. So I think she's a a commander of a fleet. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, the Romulan commander is incredible and just one of the best female characters in all of TOS, in my opinion. She's strong. She asserts herself. Uh, She's just such a powerful character. And that's why I wanted to do a more deep dive into this episode. All right. Sounds cool. Um, Beverly, I'll ask you first. Um, What were your thoughts on this episode one and two? When was the first time you remember watching this episode of Star Trek and how long have you been a Star Trek fan? 
Well, I am an original TOS fan. Um, I was six years old when it first aired. I remember we would watch it and then run outside and pretend to be the characters. So I got to be Uhura. And um, with this episode, since it was the first time we saw a female commander and the way they revealed her with the spin around in the chair, that was so memorable. Um, I definitely understand that. My mother was of that same generation, and she would tell me, uh, and my older sister would say the same things about Uhura and also Guinan uh, on The Next Generation, and also just how much Uhura meant to her and my sister personally. Uh, and the reveal of the Romulan commander being a woman uh, was really a testament to just how much Star Trek was willing to push the envelope, even then, even for its time. And I, I was, I, I've been watching the uh, History Channel series, <clears throat> The Center Seat, uh, which is about the 55 year history of Star Trek. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. And it kind of reminded me of the fact that. Gene Rottenberry during that time was still an incredibly forward thinking guy and allowed DC Fontana, Heather, to write this story. And th that was really impressive and really cool for the time this came out, which would have been <laughs> 1968. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely uh, for this time. And Heather, uh, I know you just as much as I could talk about DC Fontana just for hours on end. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I think this is one of the incredible stories that stand out, especially for the, the time it was made. Uh, a woman, like we talk about representation so much, especially in the newer shows, but right here is a woman creating a strong women character uh, to re represent on TV and for 1968 when it aired, like it, it's just groundbreaking. And it's, it's so memorable that it's even so many people like myself and like yourself, David, who didn't watch it when it aired back then uh, still look at this episode and have so many positive things to say about it because of that. Agreed. Uh, so let's just jump into the episode a little bit. Uh, the story goes, uh, Captain Kirk uh, orders the Enterprise into Romulan space. Uh, and the goal is to steal a Romulan cloaking device, the flamed Romulan cloak. Uh, something that is still uh, an important part of Star Trek technology and history today. Um Beverly, I will ask you, um, what do you think of that concept and things from the original series still having effects with the Star Trek franchise today? Like only recently with Star Trek Picard, we still see the Romulans as a major force in this universe. I, I imagine as someone who has watched the franchise as long as you have, that's, that's, uh, tell me about your thoughts on that. 
Well, uh, first, any species that would develop a cloak, they're a little sinister to begin with. And, <laughs> True. Um, what I really, uh, in terms of all of the things that they imagined in science fiction back in the 60s that now we actually have, you know, in this episode, the commander was basically using a Bluetooth to communicate with the other ships. And um, there are so many other things that we use nowadays that like the communicators and the AI and the um, computers and so forth. So It, it really is kind of a testament to just how much this franchise has inspired pop culture and just culture in general. And, and I guess I'm feeling a bit historic lately because, because of watching the, the show on the history channel. Um, Heather, uh, we see there are so many things about this episode and I, I just watched it this morning and I loved that Spock in particular seemed to really explain the connections between the Vulcans and the Romulans and how uh, through the original series, we, we get a better understanding of the Vulcan Romulan dynamic. And that is another thing. Uh, spoilers. If you have not seen Star Trek Discovery season three, uh, that is still pretty significant today, Heather. I think it, it it's really incredible the world building that especially the character of Spock has brought through the years to Star Trek because even the, there's only two episodes in all of the original series that deal with the Romulans, but those two episodes really assert the background and the similarities between Vulcans and Romulans and Spock is at the heart of that because he's the the Vulcan character that's front and center when dealing with that and so like they took that thread from those two episodes and they brought it into the next generation when it came to dealing with the Romulans and then they brought that into discovery and it, it's just a incredible thread that has weaved through 55 years of star trek and, and it is really impressive uh beverly i want to ask you uh one thing um have you watched uh star trek the animated series the original animated series i have i've watched everything I'm okay all right completionists unite let's go <laughs> i love it um so since you mentioned ahura I I am imagining that you are aware of the episode from the animated series, The Lorelei Signal, where the rest of the Enterprise crew was uh, taken hostage and Ofura had to save them and, and take command. Um, I, I remember the episode, but I don't rewatch the animated series, so I couldn't go back and go over the details. Okay, okay. Um, for listeners, uh, this was from, uh, I believe, episode four 
of the animated series where the Enterprise was drawn to a planet uh, populated by women uh, who were able to mind control the male crew members of the Enterprise and Uhura had to save the day. So for all of the Uhura fans out there, if you've never watched the animated series, it's pretty good. And that that is one episode in particular I think people might want to check out. Uh, also written by Margaret Armin, uh, another woman writer in Star Trek in the early years, and the women in sci-fi. That's it's it's been a part of sci-fi since the very beginning. It's been a part of Star Trek since the very beginning, and I, I personally think that's that's awesome, and that's kind of how it should be. And I'm especially excited to talk about new business now. So let's jump into new business. Heather, I know you are especially excited for this. Yes. Because Star Trek Prodigy is officially here. Yes, 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 yes. I am madly in love with this show already. Madly, 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 madly in love with it. Uh, it, it it's just the the first double feature episode honestly felt like I was watching a very beautifully animated cinematic movie. I I thought it was that beautiful. Um, these characters are all incredibly likable and relatable in their own way, uh, and by characters I mean the ragtag crew of the proto star and not necessarily um the diviner and his monstrous robot henchmen but <laughs> uh like there's just so many things that i make my heart just warm and in, in, explode in each and every one of those characters from doll to the adorable rock talk to Murph, uh, to Gwyn, who is actually my favorite. Like, she's the honestly the character I looked at, and I was like, I wish I had that character 20 years ago when I was a teenager because I would have related so much to her at that time frame. Um, they're, they're just oh, can't forget Jenkin Pog because Jenkin Pog is unforgettable. Um, yeah, they're. they're each incredibly unique and fun and relatable and um it makes me feel like a kid again watching this show i i absolutely love it and i didn't even mention janeway and everybody knows who listens to this <laughs> podcast knows how much i love janeway i didn't even mention training command hologram Janeway. uh that's how much i love the show uh beverly ha- have you checked out star trek prodigy yet I think it's beautiful. The CGI is just amazing. And what I like about it the most is not only will it bring in the new fans that uh, can start from their youth, but it still upholds Gene's vision for optimistic future because each episode they have something they want to teach. And they do a great job with showing the story and teaching those lessons. And then uh, I don't know if you've seen these uh, online or or as they've been airing. The 
Kate Mulgrew videos. Kate Mulgrew. Yes. The, okay, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> Let's get excited there. The, the yes. Kate Mulgrew videos where she gives a recap of the episode and she teaches a lesson, a, a life lesson that the story is relating to. And this might be my favorite part of Prodigy so far because... As a kid growing up in the 90s, you had a lot of television shows and cartoons that would always give you these little morals and life lessons at the end of every episode with all of the fun. And I absolutely love this. And I love that it's Kate Mulgrew. I love that she is just such a an amazing figure uh, in television and she commands such respect, as does the Janeway character. And I have said many times that I hope that there will be kids that love Star Trek Prodigy and then they have, say, a parent or an older sibling like I had that will let them see Captain Janeway on Star Trek Voyager and that will instantly hook them on Star Trek and I feel like it, it is a real stroke of brilliance to have that connection to the legacy of Star Trek and you're getting introduced to it with these new young characters you've got Dell, you've got Rock Talk, you've got Jenkin Pog who I'm still deciding my opinion on and you've got murph and you've got rock talk and you've got gwen and and zero it, oh yes we have and zero yes zero. Zero. Yes. zero zero is awesome i liked zero a lot i i really enjoyed zero just uh i, I don't usually go for the very logical robotic characters but i like zero a lot so far but zero uh, and telepathic so yeah, and this is very exciting. Um, the first three episodes of of Prodigy, I like them so far. I like them. Uh, I'm definitely going to keep watching. And I, I just want to say once again, uh, the show was made by the Hagman brothers, who are also responsible for the Lego animated series and, and the Lego Ninjago series. And... I think the animation is absolutely fantastic on Star Trek Prodigy. And as I mentioned to Heather, uh, and I'll say it here on the podcast, I just got a new TV and it's a 4K TV. <laughs> so oh I am I am so excited to watch all of this Star Trek on my new TV. So it's I'm I'm so excited and I know that if nothing else from Star Trek Prodigy, it will be an absolutely beautifully animated series because so far the Hagman brothers have done no wrong in terms of animation. Uh, can the first? Can I quickly go ahead, mention because we talked about how much women have always been involved in sci-fi. Uh, Star absolutely. Trek Prodigy is the first Star Trek series to be scored by a woman, yes. so. Yes, and she does an incredible job. The music to the series, I think, is really beautiful and goes with the animation really well. Absolutely. And just that that's going to be the theme of this episode, I think. It's that women have always been a part of sci-fi. Women have always been a part of Star Trek. 
we wouldn't have Star Trek if women didn't start campaigns to keep the show from getting canceled in the original series. We, we would not be here talking about this. And we wouldn't be here talking about new business continuing on with uh, what I just got done watching on the History Channel last night. Uh, the Center Seat, uh, 55 Years of Star Trek. Uh, episode one uh, is aired on the History Channel. Uh, just this week, it is now on demand if you have the History Channel in your TV package or if it's online somewhere. And the first episode revolved around Gene Rodberry working really hard to get the cage made. And then it failed. But, as always, as we all know now, it was Lucille Ball and Desilu Studios that took the cage, reworked it, and got Star Trek another chance. Um, Beverly, I would love to ask you this question, uh, uh, just for uh, the context. Um, if you can tell me, because you know th this might sound weird, but as a kid, I loved watching I Love Lucy. Um, I would love to know, like in terms of historical context, at the time, how, do you know how big Lucille Ball was back then and, and how significant it was back then for, for Desilu Studios to be headed by a woman? No, I was not aware that she was running the studio or that she had any attachment to Star Trek at the time. Um, her uh, show, I Love Lucy, was in, I think, reruns, but uh, I believe some of the uh, reruns actually came after Star Trek. Ah, well, that makes sense. Like the the connection is still there. Uh, but yeah, uh, the first episode of this uh, really highlighted just how important Desi Lu Studios was. One, not just to get the cast together but two to give star trek another chance after the cage failed because the cage was deemed to be too cerebral not action-packed enough and the idea of the wagon train to the stars as rottenberry pitched it originally the networks felt like it wasn't really there at the time with the cage and it was Lucille Ball that got with Gene Rottenberry. Both them and the studios put up money to rework the pilot and made it happen. Uh, they uh, Jeffrey Hunter wasn't available, so Gene Rottenberry got uh, the original actor he wanted, James uh, William Shatner. Uh, Leonard Nimoy was always number one. And eventually they got DeForest Kelly. Uh, and one really funny story from this episode. By the way, if nothing else, if you want to check this out, Gates McFadden is doing the narration. And uh, she's great doing the narration. Just love hearing Gates McFadden uh, on this episode doing the voiceover. So uh, another, because <laughs> I have to interject here, because this is our theme of, of the course. episode about women being involved in uh, Gates McFadden is not only narrating, but she's directing 
these episodes. And I think she's an executive producer of the series. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Safe. That's, yeah, that is fantastic. Um, but to DeForest Kelly, uh, the plan was for him to be Dr. McCoy, uh, but. At the time, he was known for playing villainous characters and playing in a lot of westerns. And the networks were kind of eh on DeForest Kelly as Dr. McCoy at the time. So the the funniest thing I think that came out of this was they got him a haircut. They 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 just said, D, go get a haircut. And the haircut they made was to be kind of modeled after John F. Kennedy. And after DeForest Kelly got a haircut, <laughs> they decided, okay, yeah, this works. You could be Dr. McCoy. And the, the TV networks were uh, much more interested in that. So all it took between Dr. McCoy being DeForest Kelly and who knows who might have been uh, was a haircut. Th- th- there's, your new, there's your new piece of Star Trek trivia, everybody, from... Uh, the center seat 55 years of star trek so i i'm gonna keep checking this out uh if you have the history channel i think it's definitely gonna be a lot of fun to check out and beverly i want to ask you 55 years of star trek this is something that you've seen start from one tv show that got three seasons to what it is now that must feel pretty awesome. Oh, absolutely. It, it's almost like um, a religion because uh, we have so many fans and they're so loyal and uh, it just keeps growing. And not just that it keeps growing, it's generational. Yes. Uh, I always introduce myself as a second generation Trekkie. And that's something that I I have a lot of pride in. And I love that I have that connection to the history of the franchise and the history of of Star Trek and the community that has that it has grown. And I, I love that there looks to be a future for Star Trek. I, I love that there is more coming. And we're definitely going to talk about that in upcoming business because the CEO of Paramount, Brian Robbins, uh, is still very much talking about how Star Trek Prodigy is going to be the foundation of the future of Star Trek. And I think that's great. Uh, He is saying that there are absolutely plans for a prodigy to go on and on and the word movie was brought up uh movies plural were also mentioned with robbins and alex kurtzman who we can confirm is still not fired still not fired (laughs) (laughs) and yeah it just looks like not only is the star trek fandom behind all of this it looks like viacom cbs and paramount have seen that uh from the numbers you see from cbs and paramount plus star trek is good business and 
there's more to come. Heather, uh, this story from the Hollywood Reporter from the, the head of Paramount is saying that the Star Trek franchise is definitely going to continue. I, I know that's that's got to be exciting. I mean, it, it, it definitely is. All it does is just confirm everything that we as loyal fans who are enjoying all the new shows already know, like... Star Trek is going nowhere. Star Trek can only go up from where we're at right now. And we're pretty high already. So um, I love the possibility of Star Trek Prodigy movies. I think that's a wonderful avenue to get Star Trek back into movie theaters is through Star Trek Prodigy. Because even people who like don't have a Paramount Plus subscription but they're Star Trek fans, they will take their kids to the movie. You know, um, it, it, it's it, education. Like I, I, I know we're in the pandemic days, but you know, back in the day when you, you know, you actually had field trips, you can have field trips to the movies to see Star Trek. Oh, we're all like, going to see Star Trek prodigy. If yeah, it's on a big screen, yeah, we're going, we're yeah, going, yeah, we're going, it's going to be beautiful. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's just, there's, we're continuing to grow and the amount of potential for even more growth is still there. So, um, I'm glad that Paramount is investing in Star Trek and we, as the fans are here to keep investing in Star Trek so it can continue to grow. Absolutely. I would, I would just like to ask Paramount Plus to please find a way to release it worldwide because our our friends over in the UK and all across the globe they're they have to wait and that's not fair (laughs) I mean I I I definitely agree with that and the last I saw is that there are plans to have Paramount Plus roll out in the UK and Europe I think next year sometime because it's attached to one of their uh, European networks over there. So hopefully it, it, it's starting to happen. Like right now it's just in the Americas and you know, it, it isn't fair. Uh, like we're continue to, continuing to build and grow this franchise, but it's on a young streaming service that isn't available worldwide yet. And the good thing about that is that as Star Trek grows, Paramount Plus can grow too. So I do believe that hopefully we will get to a place where Paramount Plus is available worldwide to the entire audience. Um, we're just not quite there yet, but not I yet. echo that sentiment. Yeah, we're getting there, hopefully. Hopefully we're getting there and Star Trek will be accessible day of for everybody. Uh, and very soon, we will be seeing Star Trek Discovery Season 4! <laughs> yeah! Yes! Needless to say, we're excited. <laughs> C- Captain Michael Burnham. That just, it just feels good to say that. And it feels good to hear that. Am I right? Captain Michael Burnham, after... The three seasons of everything that Burnham and the entire crew of Discovery have gone through. 
now that we are in season four and things are really more in place, I'm really excited. I, I love everything that I have seen from Discovery season four so far. I thought season three, like many other Star Trek series before it, was the really great season of Star Trek. That was its first great season. I I liked season two a lot, and I thought season one was okay, but I really think season three was really, really strong. Um, Beverly, how are you feeling? Uh, Star Trek Discovery season four is just in a couple of weeks. I echo you totally, Captain Burnham. I'm so excited, and I'm also really looking forward to seeing the backstory of the other crew members. Yes, yes finally. Yes. Um, Patrick Kwok-Chun mentioned at Star Trek Las Vegas, uh, the 55-year mission, that we will definitely see more of them in Season 4. And... I'm glad we're finally getting there. I think that was the one big piece of feedback from fans across the board that I think that the people behind Discovery uh, have finally taken to heart. We have these characters. We see them in every episode. We want to know more from them. And we're going to. So, yeah, that's just one of many other things and i was uh, i was also thinking about the fact that there's an episode of tng tapestry that shows what made captain picard become the leader that he is and burnham has been through everything from being orphaned to starting a war and ending a war and going into the future and helping to bring unification to the uh, Vulcans and the Romulans and now the Federation and Starfleet again. So uh, she's been through enough to really become her own person now. She is fully fleshed out and has even in three seasons before she came became a captain, she has one of the most fleshed out character arcs that I can remember. Uh, and <laughs> sorry, guys, it's been a long road getting from there to here <laughs> to getting Captain Burnham in her chair. And it's been a long time, but her time is finally here. It is. That's right. That's why. <laughs> I'm I'm excited. I'm really excited for Star Trek Discovery Season 4 because it, it feels like it is going to be compounding on Season 3. And one of the big criticisms for Star Trek Discovery was always how it kind of felt like one season didn't really have anything to do with the last season and how every season is kind of a standalone story arc. But now it seems like with going from season three to season four, uh, Heather, it does seem like we're getting some real continuity with discovery now and things are going to be growing and expanding uh, where they're at now in the 32nd century. And I'm really looking forward to that too. Yeah, it, it, it definitely does seem like they're doing that. Like I, I, 
going into season four has been the first season. Like, I don't really have any um, expectations or predictions. I, I just, I'm, I'm ready for the story to keep continuing. Um, I, I love this show so much and it's like at the start of every new season it like it just makes me so excited because I feel like I'm coming back to this family that I love um I can't wait to see where they go from here I can't wait to see where each of these characters are on their journey um I, yeah I I'm, I'm just I'm excited and I'm thrilled about it and I don't know what I'm going to do with myself on Thursday mornings because I'm going to be up to like four o'clock in the morning watching <laughs> Star Trek now. Like I I wake up uh, at 630 uh, and I've been doing this since Discovery started. I've been waking up early at 630 in, in the morning. And as soon as I'm up, if it's Thursday and it's new Star Trek, I am turning it on immediately right before I go to work. And then when I come home, I watch it again. And yeah, I <laughs> there's a part of me that just I can't help it. I watch it once in the daytime and then watch in the watch it in the evening. See, because... I, I I absolutely I, I, I'm one of the random few people who absolutely loved when they moved to loading the new episodes on Paramount Plus at midnight the West Coast time because I work till two AM in the morning. So by the time I get home from work at 2.30, there's new Star Trek on on Thursday morning. Yeah. <laughs> so like I said, with Prodigy and Discovery, I am going to be up until 4 a.m. before I fall asleep. And probably later than that, because Discovery always gets me so excited that I can't fall asleep right away. <laughs> but it's worth it. You're going to be Star doing Trek. it on a new TV? You're going to be doing it on a new TV, Heather? Uh, Not yet. <laughs> Okay. Not, not, yet, yet. not yet. Not yet. I'm still looking. Okay. He's convinced me to look at it, but I haven't bought the TV yet. So. Beverly, just a couple of days ago, I was looking around Best Buy, just kind of roaming around. And then I saw that they had 4K TVs, like 60 inch 4K oh, TVs. Amazing. Under 400. They were like under $400, all of them. And I was like, I don't think I can pass on that. These are, these are, <laughs> These are some Black Friday prices. I don't think I can pass on this. And yeah, I just, I, I ended up getting uh, a new 55-inch 4K TV, smart TV, internet connected and everything. And yeah, Prodigy, Discovery on this TV. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. See, but then he didn't tell you the rest of the story. But then after he buys his TV, he messages me going, oh, well, do you need a two new TV? You got to look at Best Buy. And so me, of course, I'm the cord cutter who likes to save money, who actually doesn't have a TV, had to go look at Best Buy as well. And so I have my eye on uh, not 60 inch. I live in a tiny studio apartment. I'm not buying no 60 inch TV, but I have my eye on a little TV that's about $170. I just don't quite have the money to spend on it yet. But hopefully by Black Friday, I will have the money. So I, I, I was telling everybody, I was texting all of my friends, I was texting my sister, like, you, you you gotta see this. This is, this is ridiculous. These like state of the art TVs, they're giving them away. And it was I, I I couldn't I couldn't pass on it. And now I'm gonna 
I'm going to get to see Star Trek in high, high def quality. Mm-hmm. And one other thing, um, I was watching Star Trek, uh, all Star Trek on Heroes and Icons a couple of nights ago after I got the TV. And yeah, I will just say this. There are a lot of Star Trek fans that are really clamoring for Deep Space Nine to be remastered for 1080. Yeah, I I understand now. I definitely understand. <laughs> because I'm just going to say this, everybody. Visually, in terms of filming for television, Deep Space Nine has not aged well. Mm. It really hasn't. It's my favorite Star Trek series, but watching it on a new TV, yeah, it, it definitely is due for a remaster. It definitely is. So after the Voyager documentary comes out, maybe that'll be the next thing Trekkies can work on. Oh, they've been work- trying to work on it for years, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. And when it happens, we will talk about it right here on the Promenade Merchants podcast. Uh, Beverly, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Tell everybody what you're all about and what you've got going on. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, right now, I'm just uh, enjoying the good life. I'm a retired physician. And I'm on uh, Twitter at at Dr. BNC89. Thank you so much. And everybody follow her at Dr. BNC89. Uh, Heather, that's another episode. Um, what have you got going on? Tell us, tell us everything. That is another episode. Um, <laughs> let's see. Nothing too major going on. Uh, I'm still tossing around the idea with uh, our friend of the show, Annika, about doing an SVU podcast. So we haven't made any plans to do that yet. But if you ever want to talk about SVU, Star Trek, Star Wars, Marvel, I just went to see The Eternals today, which is why I was almost late for this recording Go see it. It's being review bombed, but it's actually a really good movie. So I highly recommend everyone go see that. Um, yeah, just come chat about nerd stuff at NerdyGal33. And never apologize for being nerdy. Somebody told me that once. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to the Promenade Merchants podcast. We are available wherever podcasts are aggregated. Go ahead and give us a positive review if you don't. In the words of Bomani Jones, I have no choice but to classify you as a hater. Thank you for listening. Walk with the prosper and live long and profits. <laughs>